Welcome to the Professional Amateur Podcast, where I talk to amateurs who are getting paid to do what they love professionally. We all have to start somewhere, and these are our stories. Lauren Gallus is not your typical entrepreneur. She's high vibe, in tune, and curating a brand of natural medicine and skincare that is turning people's lives around. We sat down and talked about it all. From her brand Magic Doses Beginnings, to our outlook on pharmaceutical overstimulation, and of course, pugs. Because that's how we were connected in the first place. Her pug Sigmund and my pug Philomena are litter mates. They're the only two in their litter. And we connected through Instagram many years ago for that. So let's get to it. Today on the Professional Amateur Podcast, I have Lauren. I have known you for a while, but not have known you in person, which is kind of funny. Uh, brought together by our pugs, who happen to be siblings. <laughs> and uh, Lauren, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, gosh, it's the dreaded interview question. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> The job I, interview question. <laughs> yeah. So where do you want to be in five years? Yes. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I am a small business owner. I am a pug mom. I am a lover of house music, um, and a food connoisseur. I would say those are the most important things to know about me. Um, going into my business a little bit more, I am a self-taught herbalist and create natural medicine to help people, um, with their holistic well-being. That's awesome because uh, a lot of people don't seem to understand that there's a whole other side to medicine and to, to self-care that doesn't include pharmaceuticals. I mean, it, you can, <laughs> yeah. it, it's very hard to get away from them because they're everywhere. But when you find someone that's passionate about it and is creating something that that works so well. Um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So tell me a little bit about that little section of your life here. Let, let's start with magic dose, your company. Yeah. So when, yeah. Did, when did that, when did that even like one, what popped into your head basically to say <laughs> like, Hey, I know what I'm going to do. And you started. Well, I, I think, I think it's important for me to re to even go a little bit back uh, beyond that because my story of origin for me is really um, it's really important to the story of my brand and that's basically that you know let's rewind all the way back to my childhood and I won't unpack everything there but um, I come from a very 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 dysfunctional family. Um, a child who experienced um, complex trauma throughout their entire child childhood, um, abuse ranging from physical, emotional, you name it. Um, and I always felt like I was just barely surviving. And that was probably because I was in therapy my whole life. So grateful to have had access to that, um, to at least be able to just keep my head above water for the time being. But at the, um, basically on January 1st of 2020, I quit a very toxic job and I had nothing lined up. I, um, 
was terrified <laughs> and had been planning to quit the job for three months prior. And it took me three months to be able to get to the point where I felt confident enough to quit knowing that I had, um, you know, like a case for unemployment benefits and um, just like was at my wits end. And when I quit that job, like I said, I had nothing lined up and I just planned to take a little break and focus on myself and come back to myself. And as time went on, obviously COVID happened and I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'm really going to be focusing on myself. (laughs) And I was on a hike with one of my dear friends one day, um, you know, we were talking and you know, he's a nurse practitioner, but we were both in this place of like, what are we doing with our lives? You know, here I am without a job, not knowing, and he is with a very well-established job, not feeling, um, you know, connected or aligned. And I remember telling him saying like, I don't know what I want to do, but I know that I want to be of service to people and I want to help people heal. Mm. And I truly did not know what that looked like. Um, And as time went on and I was trying to figure it out um, by participating in a lot of different plant medicine ceremonies, wanting the medicine to literally just write the answer on the wall for me. And it wasn't happening. And I was getting really frustrated. And in my last attempt um, at a plant medicine ceremony, which was a mushroom ceremony, it wasn't so much the mushrooms that said it was just in my head was like, we aren't going to give you this answer. You have the answer in you and you need to figure it out on your own. Stop coming to us, leave us alone and go figure it out. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's, that's actually better than a direct answer because it lets you go. Oh, oh, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It is here. (laughs) Uh huh. And um, so from that point forward, I started just focusing on my meditation practice and, you know, whatever health and wellness um, tools that I had utilizing those. And I slowly started to be able to hear the whispers of my intuition. And that's the way that I like to describe our our intuition is it's not going to be this loud screaming voice. It's always a whisper and it's us. Um, slowing down enough to be able to hear it, to listen to it, to trust it. And so there were just these little nuggets along the way. Um, That's one of them was my friend showing me an online course in intuitive plant medicine saying, Hey, I think you should take this. And I took a look at it and seemed great. And um, they had a payment plan for it. I'm like, all right, I think I can start with this. And I started taking that class and then simultaneously self-studying holistic beauty and skincare, which I have a background in traditional um, skincare. And when I say traditional, I'm talking about, you know, medical aesthetics and um, the basics of what probably most people know skincare to be. You know, you hear terms like medical grade skincare and things like that, which are actually just marketing terms, but it all flipped out flipped what I knew over on its head. And so, um, like I said, one thing led me to one thing led to another. And, um, in the summer of 2020, I said, I'm going to start a business. It wasn't magic dose at the time. I called it Gemini apothecary because I 
I literally pulled it out of thin air, just wanting for the sake of getting started. You know, I created a little logo on Canva. I started with three products and quickly realized being the perfectionist that I am, that um, if I was going to do this, I had to go all in. And so I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone who's a designer in New York City and telling him about what I was doing. And he's like, "Okay, let me help you fill out this branding questionnaire. And it was this really long thing. It took me a couple of weeks because you really had to do a deep dive about, you know, what are my intentions? What do I want to communicate? What do I want this to be? You know, in addition to coming up with a new name, something that I felt was true to me and that I was passionate about. And so my friend didn't end up helping me, but those tools that he gave me were very valuable for when I did hire the designer who would end up bringing my brand vision to life. Um, And I had that vision. Um, It took me a little while, but eventually I I had the exact vision of what I wanted everything to look like. And I just needed someone who actually knew, you know, visual arts and um, graphic design to to bring that to life for me, which she did. And she's so lovely, Um, Hillary, and she has her own clothing business, Daisy District in San Diego, which is fantastic. Um, But once I did that and then I launched and I just started going (laughs) and never looked back. And here we are. I I mean, it's funny because as you're telling that story, uh, I'm hearing a lot of of like bits and pieces that are similar to a lot of people that I've talked to, especially, you know, the pandemic pandemic kicked the crap out of everyone. It still is kicking the crap out of everyone. But what I found through a lot of my friends is that, self-care and working just working on yourself in general has become such a priority which it's so important especially Mm -hmm. when you're trying to find what you want to do in life or if you if you you know that you're doing something that you don't want to do forever and you there's just it's there there's just like a little wall that's it's not even like a brick wall it's just a little thin wall that you you can't the veil. See it. it's, we need to lift the veil. Exactly. Yeah. And so it, it's funny, like the finding the course online and it's like, uh, you know, my wife, Nina, she, yeah. how she started her journey too, is she was like, mm-hmm. Oh, there's a course on, on teaching how to do resin art. Yeah. So I just, I just want to see what, what it's about. And then, you know, there you go. That's, yeah. that's sometimes that's all it takes is because it's in, like, like you said, it's in you already. It's, you just need help to bring it out. Exactly. Uh, I, I kind of laugh too, like uh, internally, because graphic design, I went to school for graphic design many, many, many years ago. Um, uh, I thought I loved graphic design. Mm-hmm. And I found out I didn't when I actually had a job where I had to do it. <laughs> and isn't that so common? I mean, we're so young and we're, we don't know what any of these things are and we're told to choose and that's going to be our, you know, supposed lifelong career. And then you, you get there and you're like, what did I sign up for? And now you're, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in debt, sometimes more. It's wild. (laughs) It it really is. And, you know, Canva, Canva has been amazing for, uh, for everyone, anyone that that has some sort of creative spark or wants to get something done. They yeah. made it so easy. 
because I, at first I was, I was very against it. I was like, can't, ah, oh, I can't uh-huh. believe there's somebody who's making an app to mix all this, the stuff I went to school for and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then I was like, you know what? That doesn't matter. Let people create. That's yeah. the important thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, people are making their own, like basically their, their own brand packages through, through Canva and it's totally, it's easy. And even we, we signed up for uh, the professional version of Canva. I was like, why not? I love it. And I didn't think, you know, I signed up thinking, oh, I'm just going to use a 30 day free trial, get what I need. And then I, I ended up, I mean, and I know I've now through this experience have, and I'm by nowhere near good at it, but InDesign (laughs) just to, from having all of my like label files and things on InDesign. But, um, when I do my, um, content creation for Instagram, I use Canva and I'm pumping out some really great stuff that, and I have fun making it because, it enables, like you said, um, people like me who didn't go to school for graphic design to create some really cool art. Yeah, I, it's it makes life so much easier. And yeah. even even for me, it I have the full Adobe suite. I still pay for it every year. It's yeah. I, I mean, I use uh, photography. I, I need a lot of it. And same thing with mm-hmm. video editing, audio editing. That's yeah. fine. But yeah. it's the learning curve is steep. I've been using photoshop for 20 plus years and i still don't know everything about photoshop well and they change it all the time exactly you think you've nailed it down and then there's an update and you're like wait where did all of these things that i know how to do go yeah or or they change simple things like what one key shortcut might be Uh and you're like i've been doing this for 10 years right it's got the muscle memory in (laughs) your brain (laughs) but you know with with having a, a launch pad like that, like uh, the hardest part, obviously, building a brand during COVID. Yeah. So how how did you get around? You know, you're in California, which has the, the probably the most strict regulations when it comes to you know lockdown and everything. Yeah. How, how did you get around to like getting out there? I have always felt, well, I won't say that I've felt comfortable in the online space. Um, That's, so let's, let's scratch that. (laughs) I was very uncomfortable in the online space. I'm what I like to call, or maybe it's a term, an introverted extrovert. So um, I'm comfortable at home being by myself, um, but can also very well be out and about and connect with people and enjoy that, but then need that time to be home and recharge. So being at home during lockdown wasn't very hard for me. Like I was, I was able to kind of go into hermit mode and, and really focus on all of the things um, around my business, whether it be education or, you know, creating, um, med- making medicine, all of these things. Um, but, uh, oh gosh, I've lost my train of thought. Please remind me of the <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, about getting into the, uh, into getting your brand out there. I yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. So I, you know, when I started, I had like 70 followers on Instagram Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, but I was, and I was so uncomfortable and I was, and I was like, you know, there was so much imposter syndrome that I was feeling and I still do to this day. 
But um, I was just posting the same way that I would now. I'm like, okay, you know what? If three people see this, three people see this. It sucks. But, you know, like I had friends supporting me and they'd make sure to go online if I was doing a live or whatever it was. And I just kind of just kept pushing through that insecurity and that feeling of not enoughness and like, oh gosh, what am I doing this for? This is, you know, stupid. And it, it just started to pay off because I started to pick up traction. And once I started to pick up traction, then I started to feel like, okay, well, what I'm doing, maybe this does matter. Maybe people do need this. It seems like I'm making a difference. You know, if I would get a testimonial from one of my clients about how a medicine that I made change, literally change their lives, it would bring me to tears. And I'd be like, if, if this whole week has been shit and receiving a, what that one message just turned everything around. So really I'm grateful for the online space. I've met so many people. I mean, you and Nina included, right? Um, and so social media definitely has its ugly side, but I think there is also a really, really beautiful side to it. And that's what I choose to, um, to hang on to. Um, and cultivate relationships online. And so that's really helped my brand and just me being authentic and telling my story, which ironically, I don't feel comfortable doing on my own personal Instagram. (laughs) Isn't that funny? It's like, (laughs) it's it's very interesting because that that's actually, uh, that's, that seems to be common, especially with trauma. It's like, uh, you know what? I can, I'll write it on a blog. I'll put it anywhere else. But when it's like the platform, that's just me talking to the people like, hi, (laughs) that's all you're getting for me. (laughs) I think on my personal, they prefer the thirst traps. So I'll just keep getting deep on the, on my business one and, and people appreciate it because, you know, people have been through, maybe they don't have my exact story, but they, they have, you know, similar experiences. And so for to read about other people who have been there, um, who have found healing is really, really powerful. Yeah. So. No, that, that's, that it's, it's beautiful. Um, and just to, to note on imposter syndrome is it's one of the hardest things to get over and, um, come to find out, it doesn't matter what level you're at. You're always going to have it. It's just, it's part of, it's yeah. just part of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a friend who is a prominent musician and he's been a musician for 30 plus years. Mm-hmm. He's played with a lot of bands, toured all over the world, has record deals, works at, you know, is part owner of a record company still wow. every day. He's like that somebody's going to find out that someone's just going to come take this away for me. Cause this is, yeah. there's no way this could be a thing. So I, I always laugh because it's, it's the hardest part to get over. But when you start just fighting through imposter syndrome, yeah. you, you realize that, Hey, everything's great. <laughs> like I, I do what I do because I love what I do. And then on top of that, my feeling towards that is coming out in my product, in my service, in everything. So yeah, absolutely. When it comes to magic dose, like it, it boggles my mind. Like I I watch the stories all the time and I see them pop up and I'm like, 
taking mushrooms and turning them into, I don't even know how you do it. First of all, <laughs> it seems so simple to me now, you know? Yeah, I, I, I could definitely understand. It's just, just like me in, in photography. There's a thing where it's yeah. just like, yeah, no, it's, it's simple. I just set just up some mushrooms and some alcohol and, you know, let them sit for a month and shake them up on on the daily. And, you know, obviously there's much more to it yeah. than that in terms of my personal process, but it's really simple in that respect. <laughs> well, well, yeah, it's, it's just like, but, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, uh, before there was big pharmaceutical companies, you had an apothecary that you would go to that would yes. mix everything together. Yes. So it's like, okay, they would have this root and this powder and this, and, and they would mm -hmm. mix it in a liquid and, and give it to you. And like, here's yeah. your medicine. It's like, that's, that was a thing. <laughs> that's what a pharmacist actually did. And it wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't. That's, it was like less than a hundred years ago. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what's pretty crazy. I mean, the, the train of, of technology taking, you know, medicine where it did some medicines are great. Some medicines are, well, I don't know. And then the other yeah. ones, you're just like, why, why, why are you making these? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I always try to find, you know, a holistic approach, a natural approach to, to yeah. medicine, because, for years, I took a lot of, you know, prescription medicine and I was mm -hmm. taking stuff that I'm just like, what is this doing? Like I, I, my, my family, a lot of my family, they're taking their medications. and like, you're just going to take these until, until, until you die. Basically. Well, That's what you're telling me. That. Like not even medication, right? They're drugs. Yeah. They're drugs. We exactly society, mainstream capitalistic society has conditioned us to call the drugs medicine and the medicine drugs yeah yeah that that's also a huge problem because no one will look at uh, even on something something as simple as, as marijuana and something yeah. is like the medicinal properties are just through the roof on it but through the roof and culturally, like we wouldn't have jazz music if we didn't have cannabis. Yeah. The two are totally go hand in hand. Like jazz was born out of cannabis. So there's, it's even beyond, right? The far reaching effects. And um, it's something that I struggle with all the time because you talk about, you know, your family members choosing to take the drugs. And, you know, I don't, my only family really is my, my father um, and my younger brother and my father wants to take the drugs. I, he wants, he doesn't even think that my business is real. He, yeah. he doesn't get it, but you know, I've tried to get him to take, you know, lion's mane, for example, all, you know, he has all these health problems and trying to get him to take my stuff. And he's like, you know, we used to get into fights about it. And it finally got to a point where he's like, stop, like, I'm never going to take this. And I had to accept it. Yeah. And it was heartbreaking for me um, that my own, that I couldn't help my own loved ones, like yeah. my own father um, and to see him in pain and struggling on a daily basis with, you know, various health issues. And I just said to myself, like, I have to serve the people who want it. And that might not be my family. And I have to be okay with that. Yeah, uh, that's that. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, I, you know, my parents are, you know, they're in their mid seventies, and they are 
they're set in their ways and they have i look every time they come i, I see all the medic once again i'm saying medications oh, but drugs. yeah I'm, they have pills upon pills upon pills upon pills and i just look at it i'm like what what does this one do and what's this one and this one and, and sometimes it's like one is to cover up the side effects of, of the of other, other. it's and it, it's mind-boggling um i mean out of all you know it's funny you said lion's mane i i have um i actually have a lion's mane infused coffee that's what i i don't drink much coffee and Mm -hmm. that's but because i had to cut back on caffeine so in the morning i have a nice cup of that because it's you know and i have i actually have mushroom supplements that i take that that are um i can't remember the which blend of mushrooms there are but i mean it's i go that route and do i take certain drugs like yeah i was recently last year 20 the end of 20 whatever right (laughs) the end of 2020 i think yeah Uh that's that's when it was i I was diagnosed with adhd which actually opened up a lot of uh like aha moments to my entire life which it's a strange it's a strange thing to be diagnosed at the time i was 39 so it's like um wow uh, that explains my entire life of struggling yeah now even though i'm right now i am on i'm on adderall on a Mm -hmm. Uh, extended release dosage that we finally yeah. dialed in mm-hmm. and it's night and day for me. Cause that's, that was, I've never felt, I never yeah. had clarity before. So. Listen, I get it. That's how I felt when I got diagnosed and I started taking Adderall. It was in my senior or junior year of college. And I had struggled through school my whole life, not because I wasn't intelligent, um, but because I just couldn't focus and yeah. Um, when I got diagnosed and I took that first Adderall, it was just like, oh my God, like I, it was just like, I can do this. And then I was suddenly getting straight A's. I mean, I had an A in calculus for crying. (laughs) Um, and, and it was wonderful. And then I realized that I, that I, I moved actually, and I couldn't get Adderall anymore. Um, and so I went off of it and, and I was kind of like, fine. It was, it wasn't great. You know, I was working an office job by that point, but, um, but then I created focus dose when I started my business, which is a natural medicine for ADD and ADHD. And I've gotten a lot of people off of their, um, pharmaceutical drugs with it. And it's been a lifesaver for me, but not just for me, but for other people. So I, I, if you, if it's something that you're open to, I'd love to send you a bottle as a gift for you to try, to try out. I am more than open to it because Nita and I talk all the time. I'm like, it's great. The Adderall works. It's fantastic. And yeah. she can see the difference, especially like when I'm starting to come off of, you know, my dosage, mm-hmm. but, um, what the hell is it doing to my body? Cause it's an amphetamine. Oh, right? So yeah. yeah. And so, and so every day I'm taking an amphetamine. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's just like, um, I, that's great. I feel great right now, but you know, uh, 10 years, I can't, I can't be taking Adderall for 10 years. And right. I, I need a, another, another solution that isn't chemicals. It isn't, mm-hmm. 
because that's all it is is compound chemicals there's n- nothing natural in adderall <laughs> nothing natural. it's it's uh, a close relative to meth yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's one Sudafed away from meth yeah one Sudafed. <laughs> God, yeah, so. what have we done, you know, in our society? And again, like I don't ever shame someone for taking a pharmaceutical drug. You have to do what you have to do at the time being. Um, now, you know, some things you might not ever be able to get off. For example, I'm hypothyroid. Um, my thyroid's pretty much low to no functioning and I have to take, um, Synthroid, or I don't take Synthroid, yeah. I take a natural, I take Armour Thyroid, which is a, is derived out of a pig, pig uh, thyroid, mm. um, the hormones, but um, I, I've been on that since I was seven years old, and I'll have to be on it until the day I die, and it is, it is what it is, but I don't take any other drugs, um, because I've got an entire medicine cabinet now that I've created for myself, but for other people, mm. But there's, there's no shame in, in, you know, needing to go on an antidepressant to help yourself out through a hard time if you just feel like you can't do it naturally yeah. um, or, you know, to help yourself um, with ADD. And sometimes you just need to have that, like how you said, to take it for to take it and to be like, oh, my God, there's another side to this. Yeah, I I, I told I told Nina uh, when I took my first dosage and we were sitting I was sitting at, at, you know, we have a morning routine. I was sitting at the yeah. table and then she watched me like in about 30 minutes after I took it. And I was just like sitting there looking at her and she's just like, we were talking and she's like, you're here in this conversation. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I know. And more importantly, I was like, what happened was someone took the static that was on the radio in my head and it was at a hundred for 39 years and someone just turned yeah. it down to 10 and yeah. I can hear everything and see everything right now. And I've never felt that before. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was, it was odd to me because I was like, that's when, once we found out I had it, we literally do what we always do, get a whole bunch of books about it, start listening to the podcasts about yeah. it and finding out all these things. And, uh, they were like, oh, it's hereditary. I was like, well, my mom doesn't have it. And then we started like li- going everything that my dad's done over the years and looking at all of his problems that he's had. I'm like, oh my God, it's him. It's. <laughs> I've got another book for you. It's called Scattered Minds by Dr. Gabor Mate. Um, he is an authority in addiction and mental health. And um, in his book, Scattered Minds, which is sitting on my bookshelf right now, typical Gemini fashion. I've got about 20 books up there that I've bought recently that I haven't even read yet because I have another 10 that I'm like, you know, have thumbed through. I'm like <laughs> at various stages. Um, but it's high on my list to start next. But from what I know about the book, the premise is that ADD and ADHD is um, derived from trauma. Hmm. And so maybe you didn't directly experience trauma, but perhaps your parents did in some way or your grandparents. And from what we know about trauma being transgenerational. So, um, well, yeah. I, that, that's and that for me, that's easily to easy to to trace. Because uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm lucky in a sense because I learned a lot about my father's family in the past few years. 
Yeah. Because, you know, my, my dad's an immigrant. He came here from Germany. So, mm-hmm. um, and then now we can actually get back to where probably the trauma came from is yeah. his father was a, an officer in the, uh, you know, an SS officer. So mm-hmm. he was in the Nazi army. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, he didn't love Hitler. He had to, it was for the country. And then mm-hmm. I found out a lot of really cool things about him, how he saved a whole bunch of like Polish officers and all these things. But then I'm like, I'm thinking about my, that side of the family has done nothing but had like trauma from World War II. Oh my God. And that's why they came to America. I mean, my dad. Regardless, right? Yeah. Like, it's, there's trauma in, in, in immigration, just uprooting yourself from your, a life that, you know, I mean, let alone coming from, from war, yeah. especially one um, like world war two. Yeah. So, so but like, like I said, I, I started learning a lot and learning about that history, but man, when the light bulb started to go off, it, the funny part was when I actually sat down with my mom, she had come to visit us last year they were doing something and i sat down and and was telling her about it and telling her about you know because she saw like it's like oh you're taking because normally i just take vitamins and and yeah. my supplements but she was like oh what like what's that and i was like oh this is you know it's for my adhd and she's mm-hmm. like you were telling me about that but i don't understand it and i started like listing about all the stuff and she's like son of a bitch and she looked over at my dad who was asleep in the chair. And I was like, he's like, yeah, the, all those, Im- his impulse problems with spending wow. all those things growing up that he always had issues with. And like, yeah. you, co- you couldn't, you can't stop him when he's in the middle of something. Yeah. That's all ADHD. That's all it's, that's his thing. That's. And I was like, now that I know, I'm like, uh, but like how didn't you see this <laughs> at some point? It wasn't but, talked about back then. Exactly. And that's, that's really what it came down to. And yeah. if, and in, you know, in the eighties, when I was a, a, a little kid, I, no one would have noticed anything with me. Cause I was generally by myself anyway. Mm-hmm. My brothers are all older than me. Um, like the youngest one is 12 years older. So mm-hmm. it's not like they were like my friends and we were hanging out all the time. Yeah. And I didn't have any friend, like real friends that I hung out with all the time until like well into grade school. So I just made do by myself. Uh, so funny. That's how, how exactly how my dad was. So his siblings were 14 years. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, um, so the, the signs that would have been there weren't really there. And then the teachers never really knew how to handle it. They just thought, uh, yeah. he's not, he's not applying himself. That's. <laughs> that was always I mean, the... even even from 10 years ago the way that we um would uh uh find resolutions to adhd and add are totally different from today yeah, yeah. like you know i mean my brother super severe case of adhd um from you know, the time he was pretty much spat out of the womb, um, <laughs> which makes sense because of the trauma that he was, you know, going through. My parents literally divorced the moment he was born um, and had a, my mom obviously had a very stressful pregnancy and um, he was put on Concerta at seven. Oh, wow. 
I mean, so, you know, we were drugging these little kids with amphetamines at very, very young ages. And I feel like today there are a lot more um, therapies available. There are alternatives to giving a kid Adderall or Concerta at seven years old. Yeah. Yeah. That they're, Behavioral they're therapies and, and different things. Yeah. And there's a, a lot more, um, Non non medical approaches to ADHD now with you know with going with cognitive behavioral therapy and and just things that you should do first before you jump to pharmaceuticals <laughs> like so yeah. it, it is very different and I'm thankful I'm thankful for the pandemic and shining light on mental health because it was such a stigma to talk about anywhere. You just, you, any type, you couldn't really talk about anxiety or, or depression or, you know, ADHD or just like any, you really couldn't talk about anything in any space because everyone would just instantly label you like, oh, okay. Yeah. They're, they're crazy, broken people. I don't want to talk to them. And then what a lot of people started realizing as they were, you know, secluded or by themselves is wait, there's a lot of stuff going on in my head and I need, I need help with it. And it became, it, it didn't completely lose its stigma, but you hear a lot more uh, therapy options in commercials. <laughs> you hear a lot more things about talking to someone. It's yeah. things that, you know, that it's good to, it's good as a whole for society to have things like that popping up. So. Yeah. And two things come to mind with that. You know, it's like in America, we're such an individualist society. So we don't look at our problems as being collective. We, you know, we see them as being individual and that's where a lot of shame comes in. But the reality is that we live in a very sick society um, just based off of, you know, living in a capitalist um, country that uh, values work and capital and money over people and health. Um, and if we live in a sick society, that means our people are sick. So yes, we may be going individually through difficult things, but um, the reality of it is that we are all really struggling just from the, the base, like how fucked up the world is on top of all of the shit that we're dealing with in our personal lives. And so really it makes sense that um, collectively, yeah, you can go into isolation, but look at how many people are suffering and it's the collective, it's representative of what's going on, even not just in this country, but around the world, I would assume. And, um, and the other thing that comes to mind, and I, it's funny, I've been thinking about this a lot the past few days about shame and um, shame cannot exist if we are, if we talk about the things that we are feeling ashamed of. And so, like you said, people are talking more about their mental health and what they're going through. And so I think the more that we talk about it, the more the stigma will um, decrease and people's shame about it will start to dissipate because you, that, that shame, it, it just simply can't exist if you're open and you're honest about it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a hundred percent true. I actually talked to my therapist about it and it, it was like a, such a gear shift for me learning about it. And then 
she was like, you know, normally, you know, the cliche is like, let's talk about your childhood. She's like, but now that you know this, let's talk about your childhood and let's see like the things that would, you know, that, that resonated with you, that stuck with you because mm-hmm. of how you interpreted thing, how you're, mm-hmm. you handled things emotionally because of your emotional dysregulation and things like that. Oh. And we started like tracing back and like there was moments and times that I still remember to this day that shaped me to be who I was in terms of how I interacted with people because I never wanted to disappoint people I didn't want to like people pleasing. yeah I don't want to I definitely don't want to bother people so that's a that's a big thing it's like if if you're like Nina's just like why'd you let me sleep in like is if there's a day where for some reason she somehow slept later than, <laughs> than me, which never really happens. But once I'm like, while, she's on her Peloton way early in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> like if I get up at five 30, which some like lately, that's been like my time to get up, which is cool. Yeah. It's a complete shift for me, but she's already up and she's already on the bike and working out. So, but if she does sleep in, she's like, why didn't you wake me up? I'm like, cause I, don't, I didn't want to disturb you. Cause I, grew up in a place of, if I disturb somebody, that means I'm bothering them. And if I'm bothering them, that means I'm a burden to them. And I don't want to be a burden to them. And that, that was the cycle that would go in my head. And what's taken me 40 years now, almost 41, I'll be 41 in March is that's bullshit. (laughs) It's, it's, just my perception of what everything's happening. It's not what's really happening. It's like, if I wake them up, I wake them up, then they're up. That's, that's it. Mm-hmm. If, if they didn't want to be up, they'll tell me, eh, I didn't want to wake up. It's not yeah. my, my fault. It's not my, my problem that like yeah. I, I bothered them or what. That's not a thing. Not your burden to carry. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's still something I'm, I'm working through because that's a lot of it's a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't seem to realize. It's that you carry it your entire life, whether you know it or not. And these are all programs that are running in our minds that we aren't even aware are there. And so it's reprogramming our brains um, to create different, whether it be habits or, mm-hmm. um, you know, programs or whatever you might call it to, to change and, and eject these programs that have been running for so long on autopilot. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny that you that mentioning it like a program and we had been following, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza yep. and I love, I love his books, I love his meditation yeah. practices. That's yeah. That's what we do. And this, I mean, this isn't just my, my office. Yeah. I mean, you'd see like the, it's a vibe cave. Yeah. I got all my, my, my chakra stuff on the wall, my Alex gray stuff. It's oh, love Alex gray. Yeah. yeah, I always love his work. And what really bums me out about loving Alex gray so much is we've lived like right across the river from him when we were in New York, like where I grew up, that's like, his the the chapel of sacred mirrors yeah Yeah. is is right across the the it's literally like a 20 minute drive from where i grew up and it's like i want to go back now that it's finished (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like ah but yeah i whenever i can i i love 
all of his work and I have his one tapestry and I have a couple that I've been wanting to order, but they've been out of stock. But, but like I said, it following reprogramming your brain is the most important thing like that to un people are like, you can't unlearn something. And that also is bullshit. You can, you can unlearn all those habits that you've been programmed to do. Like, and for me, it's, certain things stick of his like teaching and all, all the books that I've read and, and, you know, listened to and, and playing the change game has always been my favorite thing. And as, as soon as I feel myself sliding back into that same habit, that same routine, okay. I just stop and say change. And literally it, my brain goes, Whoa, yeah, let's yeah. not do that. We're that's the old shitty way. Like, no. <laughs> so it's it's so and that's why the practice of mindfulness is so important right I Mm -hmm. mean I love the book um I don't know if you've read it untethered soul and it's basically about us realizing that we are not our thoughts and we can take a back seat and just sit and observe the thoughts that are passing through our mind um and know that that voice isn't us those are two separate things yeah that's that was like um, a big revelation in a lot of the issues that I would have, the cycles I would go through. And then with Nina starting to understand how my brain was working and then me understanding how my brain was working and Mm -hmm. then finding ways to actually pump, we call it pumping the brakes because what would happen before is my brain would just go and spit things out without a filter and sometimes I'd get locked up or I would just, I would shut down because it would be like information overload. I would just, I would stop. And she, she knows when I do it too, because I have to like, okay, I'm not feeling this because this is happening. Yeah. I'm only perceiving that it's happening. And then I, and then like all of a sudden she could just see like shoulders, like loosen up and I'm just yeah. like, okay, here we go. Back to yeah. normal flow of conversation. So mm-hmm. It being mindful is is a tool that everyone needs to to have and people that that are out there that look at it as like as some woo woo bullshit I'm like do you j- just read about it you don't even have to like what whatever you believe in in the world in the universe in religion it doesn't matter like this it doesn't is, matter <laughs> this, this is just a simple concept that once you actually sit down and, and understand it, you're like, oh yeah, that if you just approach life that way, it's going to be much easier to get through life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is what should be, you know, taught in schools, right? But yeah. unfortunately we're learning about, you know, wars and things like that and people are leaving school not knowing how to go out into the world and you know handle their finances and handle their mental health and exactly such a shame yeah and it's funny they're they're learning the the learning history is fine but they're learning the wrong history right we're not even learning the right history exactly they're just like some stuff that's kind of made up or or sugar-coated don't sugarcoat history history is gritty and like bad shit had to happen for good shit to become like, like they, they went through horrible shit. So we didn't have to. So let's talk about that. Not talk about like, everyone was great and we all held hands. And then the world war two was over. We're like, 
what? <laughs> like, did you didn't talk about anything that happened in Europe. You didn't talk about us murdering, you know, hundreds of thousands of Japanese people with the atomic bombs. Like, what are you, what are you learning in school? <laughs> You're not learning. Right, right. So that's the thing. We're literally, I mean, that's, you know, and we, we don't have to get into it here. It's just like, for me, <laughs> the school is just a propaganda machine for mm-hmm. uh, to condition young people. Um, and that's a whole other conversation, but yeah. But yeah. all school was, was learning how to take a test. That's all school was. <laughs> oh God, do you remember the Scantrons? Oh my God. And in New York, we had the, the regents. So it was, it was uh, on top of your normal curriculum, you had this extra layer of learning that you had to do that meant nothing. <laughs> Gosh, we wasted so much time. Yeah. <laughs> It's, but it's funny because you you learn that like wow that was such a waste of time like yeah 10 minutes after you graduate and go uh-huh. step into the real world you're like oh all of that was for nothing like yep like i i used i actually used an equation from like 10th grade math the other day and i started laughing uncontrollably that i was is- like this is the only time i've ever ever had to use this uh we have another guest here it looks like penny is mad that she's not up here oh let's get her up (laughs) but of course we can't see her that well because black on black (laughs) same problem we have with basil yep oh penny what did you do what did you do penny little pug purrs (laughs) phil is not happy about this and now my headphones are going crazy. What did you do, Penny? Uh, it's like, are, we need pug pug guardians. We need to not have normal chairs. We need to have love seats. For yes, we do. Desk chairs. So if you have multiple yeah. pugs, you have one, you're probably fine. But if you have multiple pugs, you'd need a love seat instead of a chair to fit the pugs. Yeah, definitely. Um, you guys, I have to actually turn my fan on because <laughs> <laughs> having two pugs in my lap, it becomes Over, just, oh, you overheat yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go <laughs> yeah I, I love it because she came out of nowhere just like hey 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 yeah hey i want to be up there now yep yeah that's how it goes <laughs> but, but uh, to get back on track um so with 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 magic dose going yeah. where you have gone and you know where you are today Mm-hmm. So today I, I always see you on social media. I always see your story. It's like the algorithm. I don't know what kind of algorithm Instagram has, but it's always like, let's show Lauren's stuff. on. Well, my- I'm glad that it's showing <laughs> my stuff to somebody because yeah. it's, been, it's been rough lately with visibility. I, I, I know. And, you know, we, we know on another side of Instagram with, with pugs, yeah, that's that's a strange one too because I've noticed that um, we lost like three thousand followers. <laughs> I mean, we've been at the same follower count for years because yeah. of the the gaining and the losing, and and I we've just you know we're not as passionate about it. And we're like, what what are, what is all this work for? You know, Joe makes 
great reels and TikToks of, of the boys and she does it because she enjoys it. And, but, you know, we used to feel like so much like before, like, oh, we've got to post every day and, and make this content. And I was like, all I was running the Instagram at one point and, and I just had to, I, it wasn't bringing me joy anymore. And then Joe took over and we're just like, you know, we're going to post when we post when it feels good. And that's that. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's really what it's become for us. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's um, a strange uh, social media is a strange beast anyway. The trends that yeah. they're going on, yeah. but you know, people, uh, we were stuck at eighty five thousand forever, and I was like, well, let's keep pushing, let's keep pushing, and we want to break it, we want to break it, and yeah. then it was just like eighty four point nine, eighty four point eight, eighty. Yeah. I'm like, you know what, what? What's happening? I'm like, you know what? Whatever. I'm going to post when, when I want to post. And yeah. if it's not every day, it's not every day, but you know, if, if we can think, if we think of something funny or if they do something silly, or if I do yeah. a photo shoot with them, sure. We'll post about it. But yeah, yeah the, the, it's, it's not a priority. We have our other important things, you know, Nina exactly. has her art. I have my, my photography projects that I'm doing in, and I have the podcast. I've been yep. ramping up, uh, actually promoting it instead of just, you know, reaching out and letting people. Uh, basically, it's been a word of mouth podcast uh, up until probably about this week. <laughs> but but um, have you um, created an Instagram for the podcast? Uh, it's on my list. I put it in my I have a I use Trello to keep track of everything because it's Great. it's just fantastic for that. And it's one of those things where like, all right, well, I, I set up all this other stuff. I have like, mm -hmm. you know, Patreon, I have the YouTube channel. I just have to upload all the, all the actual audio files that I don't even have the video, even though I have the video. Yeah. Most of the time it's just, you know, just simple logo. And people are just like, yeah, if you put it up on YouTube, people will listen to it. I was like, huh. Okay. That's strange, but whatever works. And then I was like, I should probably talk about this more. I should actually put yeah. this out on different, different things. And then I was like, I need to actually make a, a, a an Instagram for the, the podcast. And I, mm -hmm. I, I think probably this week uh, it'll be up and running. It's got to, you know, just got to go for it. That's, that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so with, with magic dose where in in the future near or far where do you see you, yourself going with it yeah great question um so many places so one promise that i that i made to myself um is that regardless of how big my business gets and how many people I have on my team and whatnot is that I will always be the one making the medicine. Um, it's just, it's, it's so important because this brand is so much me, right? And it's not like I plan to have me be the face of the brand. It just, you know, you start a business during COVID, who else did I have, right? Yeah. Like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I had to film myself um, doing things or taking photos of myself and whatnot. So um, I've become the uh, unofficial um, mascot of Magic Dose. <laughs> <laughs> the unofficial official Magic uh, mascot of Magic Dose. But um, 
you know, so many people say that they can feel me in the medicine and, and my medicine is unique because it's made by me. Um, and even if I have an assistant, perhaps one day in the studio helping me, I, I still want to be the one to do the main, you know, the things that are important as far as, as making the medicine. And so certainly this is never something that I will ever have made in a factory because the minute that that happens, I'm no different than, you know, what you see on the shelves at Whole Foods. Yeah. Um, so there's that, at, there's that of just magic dose, the, you know, apothecary for holistic wellness. Um, but something that I want to do is to hold, uh, retreats. And I kind of did a soft retreat this past fall with some of my closest friends in Joshua tree. Um, it was a luxury retreat. So I just wanted everybody, you know, we all work so hard in our everyday lives and I just wanted everyone to come to like, you know, a luxury backdrop in the desert, um, a luxury setting in the desert rather, um, to come together and be in community, eat really healthy, nourishing meals, be in nature, um, do some plant medicine ceremonies. And it was a huge success, a huge amount of work. I spent a, a year planning this. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so, um, but it's something that I want to bring to my clients and to other people um, because I have a real talent and passion for curating a vibe for curating experiences down to the simplest of things like taking a bath. Um, if you've watched my stories, you've seen that. Um, I like to have the special lighting and, you know, the crystals and the whole thing. Um, so being able to offer a week where people can come to just decompress, be, um, you know, not have to worry about things, have everything planned out for them, um, be in nature, become back, get back in touch with themselves, ground back into their bodies, reconnect with spirit, all of those things. So retreats are on the horizon. I don't know, you know, I don't know. I have to see like when I'm ready for this undertaking again. Um, as you know, I have a lot going on in my life, my personal and somewhat business because my move affects my business um, right now. So once I can land in a more um, long-term uh, play home, then I can start thinking about other things. But um, another thing that's on my radar is um, bringing, creating courses and classes so um, whether it be teaching people how to make medicine um, or doing self-care courses, um, I'd also want to work with people individually and be what I would call a self-care consultant. So kind of, you know, have an initial session with someone of just finding out what their current practices are, where they need support in their lives, and then create a plan based off of that for them to integrate more self-care rituals um, in their everyday lives. And also things that are, you know, would be done maybe on a monthly basis or whatnot, give them recipes and things. Um, so there's, there's uh, the self-care consultation. And then um, I also want to um, offer um, it also in could be a course and also could offer some more individualized work on consulting with people on how to take 
um, psychedelics safely mm. and how to um, conduct a ceremony on their own in the safety of their own home. Um, That's really awesome. So something that I'm really passionate about, especially there's a lot of um, funny bit of business going on in the psychedelic community with people who claim to be guides or shamans or whatnot. And in my opinion, the greatest way that to, um, to lower the risk for something, you know, uh, for, for an event, a harmful event to occur in a setting like that is to give people the power and empower them to, um, conduct psychedelic ceremonies in this, like I said, the safety of their own home. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I mean, it's, it's something that it still bugs me that, especially when it comes to like psilocybin and it's like, I don't know how that, and, you know, in, in marijuana even got classified as they did on a federal level, but the more, places that are starting to look into it and, and see the positive results that it, it's giving people mm-hmm. <laughs> from everything from microdosing to even just having a, a full-on experience. Right. Uh, it's, it does, it changes everything. And I, I mean, last time that was probably like 15, 20 years ago, but you remember it. And you remember yeah. the profound effect that it had on you. Yeah. It, it the first time I had ever had an ex, a psychedelic experience like that, it literally changed the way I thought about life. It turned my whole world upside down. I I only started taking psychedelics in the middle of 2019. Hmm. For the first time, I had had mushrooms in May of 2019, and it wasn't even a large dose maybe it was like a gram and a half. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, eyes wide open, like, whoa. And in the time, what is that three, not like two and a half, three years since mm-hmm. between then and now. Um, and obviously, I've done a lot more psychedelics <laughs> in between that time. Um, and I have had more healing in the two and a half, three years in, since I've started taking psychedelics than I have had in my entire life, just being in therapy. Yeah. It's, it's a powerful tool in, in basically in, in healing, just healing overall. And, you know, there, there's obviously there's people out there that shouldn't. There's a lot of people that, you know, that they even say, uh, I've talked to many people that are like, if you know that you are like, if you have, have like schizophrenia, don't, don't right. partake if in bipolar, that. Bipolar, no. no. If you are on antidepressants, then you need to wait until you're off. There are definitely a lot of contraindications. Um, and people don't know that. I mean, I didn't know that when I, um, when I took MDMA for the first time and I I took it with my best friend and her boyfriend and the MDMA didn't work on her boyfriend and we didn't get why. Mm. And he was on a really heavy dose of um, antidepressants at the time. And now I'm looking back going, Oh my God, how did he not like, how did something bad not happen to him? Because it's really, really dangerous. And this is again, why I, 
I don't shy away from talking about my psychedelic use or psychedelics in general, because people are going to be taking these, um, these plants and substances. And so to be able to empower people to know how to take them safely um, is for me of the utmost importance and it's how you manage um, harm reduction. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. It really is beautiful. And that's a a great way to go in, in creating and basically you're creating the environment to, for people to help themselves or to create other people to help other people. It's all about yeah. helping people really when it gets down to it's it. It's all about helping people. And, you know, the thing that I want people to know is that some people have that intention to help people, but they also might have the intention to harm. Yeah. And so I really want and that's what I'm, you're going to see me focusing on this a lot in the coming months. Um, I, I'll, I won't say too much, but I really want people to be very careful with who they trust when they work with these medicines, because as powerful as they are for good, for healing, they are equally as powerful for people to be taken advantage of, for yeah. people to be abused and for people to be influenced. Yeah. You know, we're talking about mind altering substances here. Mm-hmm. And so just as they can help us heal from trauma, we our brains are very malleable, not just while we're on them, but in the days after. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can be very easily influenced. And there are people out there who are capitalizing off of that, whether it be financially or for their own um desires could be sexual, could be financial in the sense of wanting someone to, you know, take a course or whatever it might be like, yeah, there's, there's a lot to be said on that topic. And so I know that when we're in a place where we are at our breaking point, um, where we're like, I can't do this anymore. I need help. And you want to trust someone who says here, I can help you. I can be your guide, or I can lead you on this ceremony or whatever it might be. Um, and you might have a really good first experience with that person, but to be always be aware and to not, to know what the red flags are, um, to trust your intuition and trust your gut. Um, those for me, the, the trusting, because we only know what is good for us. Yeah. Nobody else can ever tell us what is good for us. And so if someone is telling you that something is good for you and it doesn't feel right with you, you need to trust yourself. That's right. That's, that's, that's a hard thing to, to realize because for most of our lives, people have been out there saying like, you know, take this, do this, do this, do this. And you, you're like, yeah, it sounds like great advice. And when you try to do it, you're just like, this isn't working. This just yeah. isn't working for me. Cause yeah. if it's not for you, then that's, that's just the, the basis yeah. of it then. Yeah. yeah. So, but you know, as we kind of wrap up here, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we did talk a lot about social media. Where, where can people find you online? So people can find me on Instagram um, and TikTok under the same name at um, underscore magic dose. 
You can also find me on my website, www.magic-dose.com. Um, and on my website, there is a contact form if you have any questions, but there is information about everything that I make um, on my website where you can purchase as well as find out a little bit more about me and my story. On my Instagram is where I post a ton of educational content, um, really want to empower people and give people the knowledge to understand what mushrooms. And when I say mushrooms, I'm not just talking about the psychedelic ones. I mainly focus um, on uh, the, the medicinal ones like reishi and lion's mane. However, there are a lot of conversations about psychedelics that happen there too. Um, but herbs and skincare and all sorts of amazing things. And hopefully I can give some laughs once in a while with my reels or <laughs> TikTok. I haven't been so active on, but I, I will be starting in the next few weeks. So um, yeah. So keep an eye out there. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, I really do want to thank you for coming on and, and explaining, you know, what you do, but it shows that it, somebody can follow their passion, not just because like, oh, I'm passionate about it, but it's going to make a change in myself and the world around me. And that's, that's a passion on another level. That's, that's a beautiful passion. And, and I wish you nothing but the best because I know you're going to do awesome. You're, you're already doing awesome. So, <laughs> but once again, Lauren, I thank you so much for coming on and telling yeah. us your story. Thank you, Stefan. It's so great to connect. And uh, I look forward to the day that we can all meet up in person. Yeah, I think Phil, Phil, I don't know what Phil's going to do when, what, what are you going to do when you when you see your brother? Are you guys going to go to uh, any Pugs Take Vegas events? We're waiting. I don't know if they're doing them. We're, we're waiting to start back up on them. Yeah. You know, it's a uh, uh, and I'll, I'll, as soon as we know, because we're actually on the committee for it. So oh, amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> it's been, we're like, oh, we were supposed to have one for 2021, but then that got pushed back. And then we're yeah. like, well, maybe we'll do 2022. And we're like, no, because when we start, it's like a nine month lag time. So okay. we basically have to go find a hotel or casino that. Mm-hmm first allows pets second yeah. is going to be okay with having like 200 pugs running around <laughs> and then yeah. third you know book dates that are not already taken up by other huge events in yeah. this same one so if, i mean as someone who's planned a small event i can only imagine the uh scale of this event <laughs> and, and the work that goes into planning something like that so yeah. But, you know, as, as soon as it happens, because uh, we, we even said, I was like, man, we're, we're missing Vegas. Like going there with the pugs is so fun. Like, yeah. Because everyone, everyone's like, what is going, the people that are just going to that hotel are so delighted. They're like, what is going on? Because you'll hear like a little kid be like, mommy, look, a pug, look, another pug, another pug. What's happening? There's pugs. <laughs> Yep. It really is. Pugs take Vegas. Well, it's looking like we might be moving to Las Vegas um, since there is an abundance of 
housing there and it's very, very, very inexpensive. Um, so, you know, hopefully we'll see you there for Pug Take Vegas. If not, it, we're, it looks like we'll even have a guest bedroom in our house. You guys might just have to come to Vegas and yes. uh, you might need to do a reunion. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. That sounds like it will need to happen. <laughs> yeah. so I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much for um, giving me this opportunity to speak and, and share a little bit about what I do. And I can't wait to listen to the podcast once it's released and uh, direct my community to give it a listen as well. All right. Yeah, I will send it out to you as uh, soon as it's up. So thank you once again. Thank you. <laughs>